I'd like to welcome you back to our series on being counseled by God, and this is lesson number nine. Uh, So this week we're going to be talking about replacing anger with love. Uh, Let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our content, which I think you're going to find pretty interesting. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just come before you, and we thank you, Lord God, for this time that we've set apart uh, to study your word and to come closer to you. Father, today as we uh, share this part of your word, as we talk about anger and we talk about love, I pray, Father God, that in the name of Jesus, you would begin to open the hearts and the minds of these people. I pray, Lord God, that their ears would be anointed to hear, their hearts anointed to receive, and that my lips would be anointed to speak. Father, I pray right now that you would begin to speak into their hearts, Lord. Father, as they hear the words in my voice, I pray that over my voice they would hear your voice speaking into them. I pray, Lord God, that someone would find a new peace, a new shalom with you through this message. I pray, Father God, that that these people would be encouraged enough to go out and to spread the news of Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would be with us. With all the anger that, that seems to be raging throughout the, our country and throughout this world, we pray, Lord God, that you would shed new light on what love truly means. We pray, Father, that you would shed new light on how to to change over from anger into the truest of loves. And Father, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ Most High and all God's children said, Amen and Amen. So we're talking about replacing anger with love. And so I want to start off with a couple of unique definitions and these aren't exactly what we're going to call dictionary definitions but they are christian definitions these are uh, spiritual definitions if you will for three different terms and so i hope that you will uh, take notes of 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 these three words the three words that we're going to define are anger meekness and forgiveness. And so let's start with anger. When you think about defining anger, I think we can all come up with a, uh, with a, a somewhat reasonable dictionary definition of anger. But I would like to challenge that thought by saying that anger is actually an inner alarm system, meaning that if something is wrong within us, the alarm is triggered and it begins to sound, okay? Uh, I think I could probably end the lesson on anger right there, but we're not going to. Uh, I, I want to expound on that just a little bit. Anger tends to be a little bit of a blame game. I'm mad because this person did this. But really, the source of anger isn't... I'm not going to say that the source of anger is always evil, but the source of anger is often evil, um, although there are types of anger that are not evil, evil, and we'll cover that in just a minute. But in most situations, anger is like an inner alarm system 
and it shows you that there's something wrong in your own heart. And and I think of if a lot of the world would get a grip on that definition of anger, we would probably begin to see some change. Because we don't want something wrong in us, right? When 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 something's wrong with us and we recognize it, generally we try to change that very quickly. So write that down. Anger is an inner alarm system. It shows you that there's something wrong with you, um, with with your heart, with your frame of mind. Okay. Uh, so then, what is meekness? Well, we're gonna say that meekness is yielding all of your personal rights and possessions to God. Okay. Uh, meekness is one of those. We're gonna call it a churchy term. You hear it a lot in church. You hear it a lot from uh, fellow believers. You hear it a lot from Christians. It's it's all about meekness. And, you know, oh, that's, that's just what we want. We want to be meek. But what does it mean? So if we really want to be a meek person, then we have to recognize that we have to yield all of our personal rights and possessions to God. What does that look like? I want to paint the picture for you um, so that it's clear. When you yield all of your personal rights to God, we're going to split this into two. We're going to start with rights. When 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 you split and, and you yield all of your personal rights to God, you say, I have a right to life. What are you going to do with that life? Are you going to use that life to glorify God? Well, sure, you're, you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Christian or you're on the brinking edge of becoming a Christian and you want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I have a right to life. Let me start by giving that right to life over to God. And, and you can do that by saying, all right, I recognize that this is not my own life, but that God in his loving kindness gave me this life. And therefore, the right to this life is his. You have a right to a freedom of speech. But what are you going to do with that freedom of speech? Again, I say, if you're listening to this, you're a Christian or perhaps on the brinking edge of becoming a Christian. And so what do you want to do with that freedom of speech? You want to glorify God with that freedom of speech. And so you yield your right of freedom to, to speak unto God. And what does that look like? It looks like you're walking through the grocery store and you utilize that right to, to reach out to someone who is downcast and, and, you know, following the lead of the Holy Spirit, you say, you know, God has got this. God sees what you're going through. God, God was, God's going to provide for you. You know, and, and you feel that nudge. It's all about the nudge. You don't want to do that kind of stuff of your own accord. Um, but that's a meekness. It's yielding the personal rights to God. Now, yielding your all of your personal possessions to God. What does that mean? Well, no, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, time to take a vow of poverty. 
and you have to live in the smallest house and you have to drive the rustiest car and no 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 none of that i'm i'm not here to um to tell you that you gotta live poor to be humble but rather in yielding your possessions to god you can roll up in your brand new just off the factory cadillac and get out shut the door and say god is good bless his name he gave me what it takes to have this vehicle you can live in the biggest house on the street and when you sit on that porch you can say glory be to god because god provided the means to this house you you yield your personal possessions to god and so meekness if we truly yield our personal rights and possessions to god meekness brings god glory okay then the the third and final term that we need to talk about is forgiveness why well anger and forgiveness tend to go hand in hand and so what i want you to write down for forgiveness is when you truly forgive you're never going to bring a matter up again okay because if you if you bring the matter up again and that is bringing it up to a friend, a coworker, a family member, or even bringing it up to yourself, then you have not forgiven with one exception. And that exception is to testify. Okay? And and so what does a testimony of forgiveness look like? I was hurt by this person in this way, but God. That's what the testimony of forgiveness looks like. But when we are looking at forgiveness, we have to understand that forgiveness means I'm never going to bring this up not to another soul ever again unless I can use it to edify a fellow believer, to bring somebody to Christ and to glorify God. And that is the one and only exception to bringing up something that you have already forgiven. So those are the three big definitions that are that are imperative to replacing anger with love. So I want to look at some of the biblical advice on anger and then some biblical advice on love. Um, the Bible is very clear on, on both subject matters. And if, if you do extensive scriptural research, you will find that people in scripture exhibited anger. And you will also find that people in scripture exhibited love. Okay? You have to keep in mind that the scripture is real life account of, of, of the day and time. It's a real life account of this is what happened and, and this is how it went. And so when you take all of that into consideration and you say, okay, all of the people that are recorded here, yes, even Jesus, even Peter, even James, even John, even Martha, even Mary, all of them, they were all humans, okay? And so the, the stories of their lives that are recorded are going to show a little bit of anger from time to time. They're going to show some love. They might show some sadness, some joy. We see all of these emotions throughout Scripture, 
but one one of the things that I want to um, teach, I guess, is what I'm going to say on anger. The the scripture verse that I want you to focus on, because I I, I truly believe that out of all the scriptures in of anger, this is probably the most solid foundational teaching that any Christian could receive. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. And it tells us that yes, we can be angry. Okay? I, I remember a conversation one time I that I had and, and I said to the person, I said, do you know what the Bible says about anger? And the person looked back at me and said, it says don't do it. Don't be mad. I said, no, it doesn't. The Bible says, be angry. Clear as bell. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry, but it brings one condition with it. Do not sin. Okay? So, yes, get mad. But do not let that anger cause you to sin. And furthermore, don't let the sun set on your anger. That, that becomes... Um, really, really deep ancient Jewish wisdom um, in, in the second half on not letting the sun set on your anger. And I could consume probably um, 40 minutes just teaching that particular scripture in into the depths of its true meaning and why you shouldn't let the sun come down on your anger. But that's not the focal point here. And so I want you to take away one thing from this verse. If you can get mad and not let the anger cause you to sin, it's for one reason. And and it's because whatever caused you to be angry caused your spirit to be angry. And, And so you've experienced a righteous anger. And an an example of a righteous anger is, um, you know, you're you're sitting at work and the person who's sitting next to you takes the Lord's name in vain and you say, please don't do that. And And it sort of ruffles your feathers. And they do it again and you say, I said, please don't do that. And then they begin to do it intentionally. And, well, then there, there comes a point then that you need to take action and you need to scripturally defend yourself and probably move where you're sitting um, because it, it's not going to be healthy for your, for your spirit or for your being to be in that environment. And, and so it makes you angry when someone slanders the name of your God. It makes you angry when someone... Um, when, when someone outrightly could do something such as curse the name of God. It, it gives you a sense of anger, but it doesn't cause you to sin. It, it creates an anger that, that brings somewhat of a broken feeling inside of you, and you resolve to prayer. And so this is, this is the experience of righteous anger. I'm mad, but all I can do is take it to the foot of the cross. Okay? That is 
That, that is the epitome of righteous anger. I'm mad, but I will not sin because I'm mad. I will not slander this person because I'm mad at them. I will not uh, speak a curse over this person's life because I'm mad at them. Okay? Um, one of the things that people often do out of anger is they, they'll quote-unquote pray for someone, but they'll pray something evil against them. That's not prayer, folks. That's cursing. And we can't do that. That is being angry and sinning because God prohibits cursing. And, and so when you can be angry and not driven to sin, you can experience righteous anger. That's, that's your biblical advice on anger. So now let's look at some biblical advice on love. And I did something intentional here. I gave you one scripture for anger because anger is negative, right? We tend not to uh, associate positivity with anger. So what I'm doing here is a three to one ratio. One negative to three positive. And so I want you... I'm going to ask you to do some individual study this week, a little bit deeper than I usually do. So I want you to study some biblical advice on love. And the reason that I want you to do this on your own time is because some of the passages, two of the passages, are rather lengthy, and I don't want to spend the time reading through them uh, in in their fullness. Um, and, And I really want you to spend time getting into God's presence, reading through these these passages of scriptures, and hearing what God wants to say to you through them. Take notes. Uh, if you're not one for highlighting or writing in your Bible, keep a notepad with you as you write, and write down what jumps out at you as you read. But I want you to study 1 Corinthians chapter 13, okay? And, and many of you can probably think of... Um, probably the first half of that chapter just off the cuff because it's so familiar to all of us. But I want you to take time to study 1 Corinthians 13. And then I want you, when you're done with 1 Corinthians 13, to go to 1 John chapter 4, and I want you to read uh, verses, specifically verses 7 through 21. It wouldn't hurt you just to read the entire chapter um, because it's, it's, it's a good chapter. But focus, focus on 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And then I want you, the last one is just a single verse, which is Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And I want you to go through those three passages, read them slowly, and and maybe, um, maybe take three separate days to study them so that you can spend enough time with God in, in each passage to really get something full from it, okay? Um, but I'm, I'm kind of going to give one thing away, and that is this. When we love the way that Christ loves, something happens in us, okay? When, when you read through these three passages of scriptures that I've just asked you to read through, you'll find that 
all of the instruction would be impossible to, to get through on your own. You will find that, that everything these three scriptures tell you to do can only happen in your life if you allow Christ to reign, okay? Um, if you took the last course that I taught, um, which was the five-fold ministry, we, we talked about different gifts, and all of those gifts require... How do I want to say that? They, they require a great deal of dependence on Christ. Okay? Um, and, and likewise, love, true love, really requires a great deal of dependence on Christ. And so we have to recognize that if we want to love the way that Christ loves, note that that is present tense the way that I said that I did not speak that in past tense, if we want to love the way that Christ loves, we have to gain an understanding of Galatians chapter 2, specifically verse 20. And this is going to be one of your um, scriptures for study that, that we close with tonight, but just so that you can hear it right now for, for this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and you've probably heard the scripture that says, Greater love hath not a man, but that he would lay down his life. That he would lay down his life. Greater love has none but this. And, and so, when you think of that scripture, that Jesus has such great love that he would lay down his life, and then you come to Paul's writing in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I have laid down my life in service to Christ. Why? For the sake of love. For the sake of of the love of Christ to not just shine within me, but to exude from me. Okay, if you would, re- if you would just think back to lesson five from, from this course, and if you need to go back and listen to it again, I'd re- I would recommend that you do. It, that was the week that we talked about being in the Spirit and and really putting to action the, um, the the five senses of the spirit and how to utilize the eyes of your spirit to see vision and the ears of your spirit to hear God's rhema and, and how we should walk in these things and how we should, um, you know, be eager to discern, live in Christ, okay? So I want, I want to call that to your remembrance tonight because when we truly live steadfastly in Christ, then and only then can love truly abound. 
Okay. So let's, as we bring this to a close, I'm going to read to you a couple of scriptures. Um, the first being from Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 5, 6, and 7. If you would just close your eyes and, and hear this, receive it into your spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, 6, and 7. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who... Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Does that sound like love? And and as you, I, I'm going to read that to you again. I want you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. And and just allow God to show you something in your spirit as you listen to that. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And then the second scripture, um, which I just read a few minutes ago, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When you wake up in the morning and you draw that first breath of the day and you sit and put your feet on the floor, that is the moment that you have to remind your flesh body that it is no longer you who lives, but it is Christ who lives in you. The life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God. Okay? So take time this week and and study those three passages, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, and Romans 12, 9. Um, and, and see how they see how they line up with Galatians 2:20. I think that you'll I think you'll be able to put that together pretty well. I want to leave you with a journaling exercise, like I always do, um, because this this class is so important. It's so important that you take time to write your prayers out and and make your requests known to God through writing. And then you wait upon him to answer your prayer. It's so, so, so imperative. Because that's how you become able to be counseled by God. Okay, so this week's journaling exercise. If you have your journal ready, I want you to write this at the top of the page. Dear Lord, is there any anger within me that I yet need to surrender to you? All right, let God clear the anger out of your system. 
let God get a hold of the anger and rein it in. Anger can cause a lot of issues in the spirit. Anger can open up doors to to a lot of strongholds that are that are demonic and quite unhealthy spiritually and and we've talked before about how when something is bad for you spiritually it becomes bad for you emotionally which becomes bad for you physically and so allow God to reveal anger that is stuck somewhere in your heart and then once he's revealed it to you ask him to remove it and stay in his presence until he tells you he's removed it all right let's pray and um, close this out heavenly father i thank you again for this time all these people lord god and i pray that even now father as as we've had the opportunity to discuss forgiveness and meekness and anger and love i pray lord god that you would be working in someone's spirit right now i pray father that that you would reveal in the eyes of the spirits of these people that you would reveal to them an area where anger lingers I pray, Lord God, that they would see clearly in the eyes of their spirit a chain or, or a, a pierced knife through the heart. Something, something that shows them that there is anger. Father, that they would not only see it, but Father, that they would quickly humble themselves and surrender to you. That the anger which has held them in bondage and captivity that they would surrender it unto you, Father God, and that you would make them free. For whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And we proclaim that right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would lead, guide, and direct each one of us in the days to come, Father, that, that we would have no questions about what you are doing or how you are leading us, but, Father, that we would plant our trust firmly in that we would plant every bit of trust firmly in you. Father, that we would look upon you with fresh eyes, fresh and new each morning, and know this, that you alone are in control. I give you praise, honor, and glory, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ most high. And we do pray and ask all of these things. And all God's children said, amen and amen. Y'all have a great week, and I'll see you next time.